What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome to the School of Salvation, Chapter 7. I'm going to begin today at the same place that I started yesterday, or the last chapter, which was actually yesterday here in the studios. And when I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words, but of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. I want to emphasize that last part. We have lost the demonstration of the power of the spirit of God working through man, which I, we call no to call grace now. We can do nothing except by the grace of God, the Spirit of God working within us to accomplish His pleasure and His purpose in our lives. We have should be ready to hear a new message today, a message about how God uses those gifts within us to build the body of Christ. I see this lacking within the church, and we're going to address it today. In 1 Corinthians 2.5, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of man, but on the power of God. 2 Corinthians 12.4 Now, these are variety, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effect, but the same God, who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. We're going to go to read on that there is a number of ministries and ministers in the church, in the body of Christ, for the edification of the whole. The whole purpose of this is for us to look at ourselves and if, see if we are where God intended in the New Testament church for the body of Christ to be. And 12.8, for no, to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing for one Spirit. And to another affecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits, and another various kinds of tongues, and to another interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as He wills. For even as the body is one, yet it has many members. And all of the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. 
For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. But if the foot says, because I am not a hand, I am not part of the body, it is not for this reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, because I am not an eye, and I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed members, each one of them in the body, just as he has desired. If they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members, but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body which seem weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we deem less honorable, on on these we bestow more abundant honor. And our less presentable members become much more presentable. Whereas more presentable members have no need of it. But God has not composed the body, giving much abundant honor to the members which lacked, so that there may be no division in the body. Listen to this. That there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all of the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all members rejoice with it. Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then the gifts of healing, helps, administrations, various kinds of tongues. Are not all apostles, are they? Are not all prophets, are they? All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers of miracles, are they? All do not have the gifts of healing, do they? All do not speak with tongues, do they? All do not interpret, do they? But earnestly desire the greater gift, and I will still show you a more excellent way. Where are these members? Where are these diversity of gifts? Where are the gifts to the body? Where is the opportunity within your body for them to exist? First of all, if you don't believe in the Holy Spirit having come on the day of Pentecost and empowered us with the dunamis power of God, with the gifts and callings by the Spirit of God to lead us, to equip the body, the church, to be built up in love, there is a better way. And I want to discuss that right now before we get into this message deeper. In chapter 13, remember... That there is no division. This is a continual of Paul's writings here. It was divided up in chapters later. So we're continuing to read where we left off about the gifts. I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love. I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. 
And if I give all of my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant, but not does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffering, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices in truth, bears all things, believes all the things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. I want you to know, right, I want to stop right here. I hear many, this was given after Pentecost, this was given after the resurrection. Obviously we all, us, the Jews and the Gentiles, are looking to the day of the Lord when all things are restored to the body of Christ, the bride. And he sets up his Jewish kingdom here on earth for a thousand years. We'll talk about all those things in a latter chapter. But I want you to know, the, the perfect has, he came, but he's coming back. This was given to the church, this, this word right here, was given to the church after Pentecost, after. So those that choose to find a reason not to believe, say the, the canonization of this word. That was perfect. It is not in the wisdom of this word. It is in the power of the Spirit that we have to walk. It is in the power of the Spirit. And it is in love. Only in love. I told you earlier on that we could grow in grace through humility. And humility being the very essence of love. No greater love hath a man than he lay his life down for his friend. Christ humbled himself by emptying, even though he was God, Philippians 2, he emptied himself into the form of a man. He humbled himself, what? To bear our sins and our disease, that we may have life, that we may have it abundantly. We may have a covenant of an indestructible life. Y'all know that one. But God has purpose in his church. He has given us his spirit as a seal of adoption, a promise of the hope that we have. We're going to talk about hope too here, right? Just a second. But I want you to know that the perfect is coming on the day of the Lord. When we see him, we will know as we're known. We'll be transformed in his image. We shall always be with him. We will not need these gifts and these callings and these ministries and the diversity. The reason they're not working in the church and the reason they have disappeared because there is no love as it should be. There is no faith and there is no hope. And I'm going to read that this is supposed to be abiding. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. For now we see through a mirror dimly, but then face to face, praise the Lord, face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully just as I have been known. But now faith Hope, love, abide these three. But the greatest of these is love. It is in the humility of love 
that the very essence of love is humility. Where we prefer one another. Look at me. I, I, I'm a prophet, and I am a prophet. You know, it just came to my mind. I have a spiritual father. I have a spiritual. I have actually two spiritual. My mother's my, my own. But Miss Frieda Lindsay was my spiritual mother. I learned to see, I saw faith in this woman back in the early 70s when I was one of the first classes of Christ for the Nations. I learned to live by faith and I saw faith in action. I, I, she invited me back years later to minister to, at the school and, and she told me how proud she was that I was one of her sons. I, I, I probably cried that day. I've cried many days since thinking about things like this, how God has blessed me and I've been able to witness true love and humility, but the power of God working through these men and women. Dima Shikarian, he called me and said that he needed to see me. And I went to see him. And uh, when I walked into the room, the power of God, it just the spirit of God just hit me like at the top of the head. And I began to prophesy. What, what seemed to be an hour, I don't know. It just about the time... I felt like I was about to quit. It would just roll again. And I know somewhere toward the end, by that time I was on my knees in front of him or he was sitting there in his living room in this little house in Downey, California. It was originally his father's house, his little house that he had received the original vision 40 years to that, almost to the day earlier uh, in the house next door. We were in the little house beside that that had belonged to his father. And the Lord came again. And as I was there, basically on my knees, finishing up, I could look. And that which I had been prophesying, I now could see. I could see the face. Brother Demas's face was lit like Moses while I was coming off the mountain. The whole room was lit up. And the presence of God, the glory of God had come into the room. And about the time, and I, and I looked there and... And, and I, I was just amazed because I was talking about what Moses had been doing in his people in the wilderness, what he was about to do. And, and as I finished, and, I, and I, I there before my father Demas, Miss Rose, his dear wife, just like it the first time that the God showed up in the little house next door 40 years earlier, began to prophesy. It was the same prophecy that that what we're accomplishing doing today. But I believe this, this word that came forth, and I did minister at the, at the Boston Convention, the World Convention that year, and, and he brought me to Boston early, and he put me in a room right beside of him, and for 11 days, he emptied himself into me. But there's, there's one thing about this prophet of God. At that time, we had over 5 million members in over 150 countries around the world. This, this humble man that was always putting the other guy forward, as he promoted in others, first of all, kind of a famous name, I got to know Brother Oral Roberts through my father Demas, because it was Brother Demas that at first helped him get start his ministry. And... and all that I saw godly in him was, the, was through his humility of always trying to put the next guy, the other guy forward to help promote them. In that, God established him as a true prophet. 
that reached around the world. And, it, it, and I, miss, I miss him and other prophets of that age, apostles that established works for God, prophets that could see and know the day that we live. I've been very blessed to know many of these apostles, to know many of these teachers and leaders in the church. But it was in those days when I was in school and in church, I could see the multiple gifts and ministries of others and the humility that allowed others to use their gift within the body. And that built the body in that little school that was less than 100 when I went. It grew to thousands. It took over all of Oak Cliff, South Dallas. It's amazing. That one little school turned into 50 schools a day around the world with millions and millions and millions of books. 14 or 15,000 churches built around the world by the faith and the holiness and the hope. Faith. Faith. Hope with expectation is faith. Do you really have hope? If you have hope, it should be with an expectation or it's not hope. And if you have hope with expectation, it has become faith. It has become faith that will work. Faith works. The gifts of God work. If we walk in humility and in unity, in faith, hope, and love, there's a unity in the body. And that lack of unity is why the gifts have all but disappeared. That lack of love, of humility, of, of hope, of faith. We're an anemic church. Weak. Because there is many members, but yet in the church there are not many. There are many ministries, but yet in the church there's just maybe one. We call him a pastor. And sometimes in these churches, they guard that pulpit. I understand. We have to be careful. An overseer must not be a lover of money. He must not be arrogant. He must be a disciplined person. In Timothy, Paul writing to Timothy, say, uh, an overseer cannot be a lover of money. That disqualifies most ministers today, much less the body of Christ. Church, wake up. Allow the Spirit of God to rule and reign within the body and empower your people. I'm going to get further into this. But in love, and the very essence of love is preferring your brother over yourself. Let's put him forward. God will raise you up. God will raise you up. I, I, I thought... You know, this has never bothered me. I know I'm called as God's prophet to the nations, and I go to the nations of the world. I've spoken to tens of thousands, invited to speak to a million in Brazil. I, I had all kind of opportunities to, to preach in some of the largest churches in the U.S. before God reminded me I'm to the nations. I've been on television for many years and spoken and ministered to millions all around the world. But in the last four churches of the last four years, I've, I've never spoken. I, I've never asked or never, you know, I never needed to. But, but yet, I have a gift. I, I can preach. I promise you I can preach. I think you know that. And I can teach. 
and I have words of knowledge and words of wisdom. And I used to flow really, I, I, I tell my son, I said, you, you stole my anointing. He has this gift of miracles. And in the early days, God would give me words of knowledge and wisdom and people would be healed and delivered. And he still does, I'm sure. But he's got a word. The most important word is that the body of Christ unite and allow the power of God, not in words, but in deed, in the power of the Spirit of God. And that's only going to take place if it's in love, in humility, in faith, a hope with expectation. Faith. Oh, I hope so. That's not hope. Hope. I know. I have hope because I know in whom I have believed. He is a faithful and almighty, forgiving, merciful, but a consuming fire and a jealous God. And he will not allow you to play fussy with the world, walk in your own arrogance and in your own flesh and expect the miracles of God to flow through you. I saw all of these. I warned my son. I said almost everyone that walked in the miracle power and the miracle gift, it, it destroyed them both because they forgot to stay humble. And, and the other things are flesh. And, and I warned him, I'm still here. <laughs> and anyway, he, he won't have that opportunity as long as daddy's around. But he has a father that he was called to. And he was in heaven. And he called him to walk in love and humility, though the power of God works in him where the blind see, the lame walk, and the dumb speak. And, 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 and he's going his way. He's called to Latin America, I believe, in Central South America. He sp- speaks flat Spanish. I can hardly speak English. He speaks Spanish fluently. And uh, he has an ear to hear. I, I was born, you know, tone deaf, so I struggle with English. I struggle with pronunciation, which some of you might have, might have noticed. But I know my God, in spite of that, has called me to stand here today and, and encourage you and you pastors. I'm speaking to leaders and pastors or future pastors. Allow God, allow the Spirit of God to empower your people. Allow them opportunity to prophesy. Allow them opportunity to pray for the sick. Allow them whatever opportunity that the Spirit manifests themselves. In them, in hope, in faith. The church is dying. What have you got to lose? It's dying because the members of the body are, are dead. We are many members. But yet there's only ones that's bringing forth what they have. Do all prophesy? No. Do all heal? No. Do all work miracles? No. Well, how can all of these things that equips the body of Christ work in your church if there's not the one doing the ministry? Humble ourselves before God, pastors. Do like my father Demas that became a worldwide renowned prophet of God, the most humble man I've ever met. Love him. Ten days after Boston, I was attending his funeral in California. I was still shocked because when he there, he had laid his mantle on me. I didn't understand how could he lay his mantle on me. The least. But God called me. 
And he gave me these wonderful spiritual parents. And he called me as a prophet for today to be here and speak. And this is a prophetic word. I'm going to talk about the day of the Lord. That's coming up. I'm going to talk about the timeline, exactly where we are in that line. I'm going to share all those scriptures. We call that prophecy. This is the prophetic word. Do this knowing the time. Let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of the flesh. Let us put on Christ and walk in love. Walk in humility. But walk in the power because He is within us. That it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. And this life I now live, I live by faith. I live by hope. I live by love. And the power and the gifts of the Spirit, they move. They're not hindered by my own flesh, by my own arrogance, by my own sin, by my own doubt and unbelief. I reckon that garbage dead every morning of my life. And I rise in the power of his resurrection to be used however he has for me to be used. Go where he says go. Do what he says go. Do. For years, the last number of years, it's been mostly studying and preparing for this, these messages, these prophetic messages. Do this knowing the time. Repent and be baptized. We're preparing as John the Baptist. I, these young disciples that I'm ministering to, God is raising them up to prepare the way of the Lord, to make the way clean, to make it holy, because the Lord is returning soon, very, very soon. We will know more about that in the latter chapters But it does you no good if you're walking around in arrogance, in your own flesh, in doubt, in unbelief. Repent. That's all. Repent. Oh, forgive me, Lord. Repent. Love your brother. Watch what God can do when we unite truly in faith. Not lording over, but serving. Laying your life down for the sheep. Be the one there that God may allow the gifts of the Spirit to work within your body, in your church. He did not, it's, it's diversity of gifts on diversity of people. And they're there if you will allow them, and if your church has not grown, maybe it's because the body cannot grow unless it's whole. If you're just, if you're just a foot, you probably need an eye, ear, nose. You probably need a mouth. You need something. Whatever part of the body you are, you're not complete without the other parts of the body. The plurality, this is a New Testament church we're talking about. If I'm not mistaken, we're still in that New Testament right now, that new covenant. And that's, that's the prophetic word is God wants to raise us up to be ready to receive his son when he appears on that cloud. And those angels are sent to the four corners of the earth to gather his elect, his chosen, his faithful, his holy ones, his saints, to come with him back to establish his kingdom. It is an amazing day. We will talk about that. But church, you are not ready. And it comes back to an arrogance. It comes back to selfishness. It comes back to inferiority. It comes back to flesh, to this old body, this old man. Not having died, 
not walking in love and humility and in trust in Him. I'm sure if somebody gets out of the way, you're perfectly capable of handling it. And that nobody's perfect, including here. But I'm telling you, I know the Word. God has given me this Word for this time. He wants to equip the body again. In the 70s, there were churches that had all of these. They almost got too much into all of this. They wanted all these ministries, so they put probably people into, this was our prophet, this was our miracle guy, this was this, 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 and this. It, it, was, it, it was as the, the New Testament church should be, but maybe they didn't read the qualifications good, well enough because people started getting puffed up. And, then, and when it didn't work too well, then, then others said, well, see, I told you so. No, they didn't tell us so. We don't quit because it per, you first don't succeed. We follow his word. His pattern. We humble ourselves. We, we, we try to encourage our brothers, and as I'm encouraging you today, I have come here to try to train, empower these young prophets and ministers across the world. I have, I have no one else support except God's. I've never taken an offering. It takes miracle after miracle. Guess what? We see miracles almost daily. It takes it. All this is very expensive. All this time, everything, it takes miracles. But I know in whom I I have believed. I know whom I have placed my trust. I know who is speaking through me now. It is not I. It's the Spirit of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And I walk as He leads, and I speak as He says. And I'm encouraging the body and I'm going to keep encouraging here as we go forth. Now let's just repent. Let's, let's be changed. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to, to be the one in control of our church and our body and our service. In 1 Corinthians 14, 29, it says, Let two or three prophets speak and let the others pass judgment. But if a revelation is made to another who is seated, the first one must keep silent. For you can all prophesy one by one, so that they may learn and all may be exhorted. And the gifts of prophets are subject to, and the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets. Remember that, prophets. If you, if you get out of order, it's because you got out of order. 33, for God is not a God of confusion, but of peace, as it is as in all the churches of the saints. I read this because this is really not a problem in most churches. Most churches, if you're just going to allow three or four of your prophets to speak at this service or, or, or allow them to, how many prophets you've got in your church? I've sat in many churches and I've been a prophet for a long time. I've never been asked or given opportunity. I would have been out of order. Even though many times I've had a word that I could have shared that would have edified the church. Where's the opportunity? Where's the humility? Where's the love? In Romans 12, 3, For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself than, than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, all of the members do not have the same function. 
So we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to execute them accordingly, if prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or, verse 8, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, or he who gives with liberality, he who, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Be devoted to one another. Allow God to use your brother. Encourage them, not discourage them. Pray with them. We should be spending enough time together that we truly know one another. I'm afraid we don't do that either. We show up in church uh, once a week or twice a week. We should be a community. We should be a brotherhood. We should be God's servants as we go about doing goods, as we visit the poor and the needy, the orphans and the widows. God has called us to do for good deeds. He's called us to be witnesses. He's called us to minister to one another in love, to encourage. Where are the gifts? I'm sure the gifts for the givers, they, they will allow that to go on. They'll allow the givers to give. What about the teachers? What about the prophets? What about all these other gifts that we have named and speak about? Where are they in the church? Or is one man have them all know the word says not so if only one or even two are ministering in a church is that really equipping the church for the body will that build the church is there a reason your church is not growing let's be different let's try to do it the way the bible teaches us let's trust god let's trust him once instead of what some man told us in bible school let's trust the holy spirit Let's act in faith. Let's love one another. Let's prefer our brother over ourselves. What are we guarding? Is God not able to take care of of the body, of the house, of the church? Is God so weak and unable to bring guidance if needed? Just, just asking. We serve an almighty, holy God. One with, that is not confused. If you're confused, it's your own confusion. We know the author of confusion. It's the devil. We need to be, have a clear mind. We need to have the humility, the love of God. As we allow God through us to empower others. And when you haven't been empowered, allow them to learn how to minister in that empowerment. And that can only be done through practice. Even as we practice, what? To discern good and evil. Because of practice, we learn to understand, to discern good and evil. That same dicrino word there 
is that the one between discerning about the body and the blood of the Lamb. We practice partaking of the body every day. He bore my sicknesses and my diseases. We practice taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ that we may discern the difference between good and evil. We practice our ministry where within a group of believers we trust that love us so God can raise us up. We can learn and grow and the church may grow or we may go out and build another church. God forbid that happen. That's the greatest thing of all, to be a church planter, pastors. Not that your kingdom grows, but his grows. God will build yours if you build his. You listen to that. If you'll build his kingdom, God will build your house. He'll build your body if you build his body. You don't have to do it in your own strength and power. Yes, you probably have an anointing. Yes, you have a call. Yes, God has put you where you are. But God wants you to grow. He wants the body to grow. I know we live in a present darkness. But there's an opportunity in the darkness for the light to shine brighter. To be that lighthouse. Out there in the rough stormy seas. To be that lighthouse that will bring them into safe harbor. We have a light. It's the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the living God, the Son of God, the Spirit of Jesus Christ. He's light. I'm wanting you, and I'm trying, honestly, in all humility here, there's no condemnation here. I'm not trying to condemn anybody. I'm just trying to cry, a wail, to awaken. The church is asleep. Not just the, not just the five, but ten. They were all got drowsy and they were all asleep. Five were ready. I'm worried about the five that are not ready. If we are awake, maybe we can get them prepared. Maybe we can get them clothed in righteousness. Maybe we can get them to come and return to their first love. They've been seduced by the gods of this world. Problem is, most leaders in the body of Christ, so-called leaders, once leaders or whatever, have been seduced by the same. Y'all know that story. We've talked about that. I want to see. I my prayer today is that people are given opportunity for the Holy Spirit. Now, if you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you, we're talking about things you do not know. You've been given authority in Jesus' name, so use it. But for the dunamis gift, you must have that baptism of the Holy Spirit and with the evidence of speaking in tongues. I know my son got the baptism and and he spoke in tongues for a day and it was about 18 months later before he could speak in tongues again. And he has a gift of miracles in his life. So I don't know how all this works. I think he didn't realize he had to do it in faith, uh, allow it. He, He was wanting God to just do it. I think that's kind of what happened the first time. It's happened to me when I couldn't even stop speaking. Some people say I still have that problem. But it was in tongues in another language. And the first time, I didn't even know what it was. All I knew is God had me. God had knocked me across the room on my back. And I was like plugged into an electric I, I was, I, I never, I, I, my mind was being restored. My body was being restored. I saw this vision of what's happening today. 
that was 46 years ago. Something like that. Might have done the math quite. 40. It's a long time ago. <laughs> it's, it, but it changed my life forever. Did, did all things go perfect? No, I had to grow. But God allowed me and gave me opportunity to grow. That I could stand here today before and with you to encourage you in humility, in love, to allow others to grow around you by allowing them to be empowered through the Word and the Spirit. And it might be from the Word of a teacher in your body. It might be from a Word from a Sunday school lesson or whatever. It might be the word from a healer or a worker of miracles. How do you know who's out there if you've not given the Spirit a chance in them? Allow them, let them know there's opportunity within your body for them to become who God hath called them with gifts and callings. It is plural. Ephesians 4.1 Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. Be diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in a bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. God and Father of all who is over all, through all, and in all. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's faith. We, we talked about this early on. It, the grace, the Spirit of God, to each one of us, God give us a measure of grace. A measure of faith. What? For our calling, for our gifting, for whatever purpose and plan. The, his grace is sufficient. The Spirit of God working within us. But it is through humility we can grow in that grace. If you're not growing in God, are you walking in humility? Are you walking united with your brother? Are you walking in love? That limits the ability to grow in the power, in the anointing. Humility. There's greater grace, greater empowerment for everyone. Therefore, I, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Now, this reason he ascended, what does it mean except that he also had descended into to the lower parts of the earth? He who descended in him also. He who ascended far above all the heavens, so that he might fill all things. And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, the offices of the church, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain the unity of the faith. Listen to this. He gave these offices of God that together that we all can attain the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the statute which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men, 
by craftiness and deceitful scheming, by speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in him in all aspects into him who is head even Christ. Now listen right here. This is really important. This next scripture is really sums up what we're speaking about today. From whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. I want to read this again. For whom, I'm going to read it again at the end, I think, but I'm going to read it again. For whom the body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, is every joint being supplied? Is this body working together? Or is it all out, is one member, is the arm out here by itself, or is it hooked to my shoulder? Is my head out here and it's not on my neck? I mean, it all has to be working, each individual part. According to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up itself in love. It has to be the proper working together. I, I heard, a, I heard a, a gentleman, a good friend of mine, a brother, a real good brother of mine, Pastor Vic. I just want to mention your name. He rides to prayer with me every Tuesday morning. He was telling me a sermon about the five offices in the church, the pastors, evangelists, prophets, all this, and the apostles. And he said, each one of these and the apostle touches this one. And, and he all that's the kind of the difference. We're all part of the hand, but the apostle in service, he, he touches all of those. And I says, you know, when, you, when they all work together properly, that's where the power is. It's the coming together. It's the proper functioning together that creates the power. It's not that we're prophets, apostles, pastors, evangelists, apostles, whatever. And it's not about that. Here's all these fingers, and I might can call you, but when they all properly come together, there's strength. There's purpose. It is in humility. It is in unity. It is with all of the gifts working together properly. 1 Corinthians 1-2 To the church of God, which is in Corinth, to those who have been sanctified in Christ Jesus, saints by calling, with all who are in every place, call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ as ours. Verse 3 Grace to you and peace from the God of our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you in Christ Jesus, that in everything you were enriched in all speech and all knowledge, even, verse 6, even as the testimony concerning Christ was confirmed in you, so that you are not lacking in any gift, awaiting eagerly the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will confirm you to the end, blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9. God is faithful through whom you were called into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now I exhort you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus, that you all agree that there be no divisions among you, that you be made complete in the same mind, in the same judgment. Now, he wants to remind that he, he believes that we all are empowered to be a perform our callings, but there be no divisions. 
It is the proper working together. That's where we're headed. It is in humility. It is in love. Where humility is the very essence of love. Preferring our brother over ourselves. Colossians 3.12 So as as those who have been chosen of God, holy, holy and beloved, put a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, Bearing with one another, forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, you you should also. Beyond all things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called into one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts before God. Whatever you do, do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to him, to God the Father. Ephesians 6.10 Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day, having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, having girded your loins with truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you are able to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one, and take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, with all prayer and petition at all times in the spirit with this in view. Be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all of the saints. Now, we, we, know, we know these scriptures. We preach these because we're talking to individuals. We have to put on the full armor of God. I'm speaking to pastors. Have you put on the full armor of your church for the body? Are you allowing all of the gifts of God to work within your flesh? church for the building up of itself in love why why does an individual have to put these things on if the body of Christ doesn't have to put on and embrace the gifts of the Holy Spirit for the building up of itself in love why is an individual to put this on and the body is not I just want you to think about that in Exodus 31 1 Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Ur, of the tribe of Judah. I have filled him with the Spirit of God and wisdom and understanding and knowledge and in all kinds of craftsmanship to make artistic designs for for the work in gold, silver, and in bronze, and in the cutting of stones for settings and the carvings of wood, that he may work in all kinds of craftsmanship. And behold, myself have anointed with him Oheliab, son of Ahisamach, of the tribe of Dan. 
and in the hearts of all, in the hearts of all who are skillful, have put skill that they may make all that I commanded you. The tent of the meeting, the ark of the testimony, the mercy seat upon it, and all of the furniture of the tent. I want you to notice, what, what did we just read? God commanded Moses to make all of these things. But he says, I have raised Oheliab and Bezalel, and all of those who I have put in their heart, I have gifted to make all that I commanded you. If God gave you a vision for the church, praise the Lord. He commanded Moses about building a church. Did Moses build it? He did not drive one nail. Not one nail. But all of those who God equipped with their callings and their giftings, and especially Oheliab and Bezalel, that was to lead this group and to make all these special instruments. He gifted them. He called them. And they had a willing heart. Exodus 36, 6. Now Bezalel and Oheliab and every skillful person in whom the Lord has put skill and understanding to know how to perform all the work in the construction of the sanctuary shall perform it in accordance with all the Lord commanded. Then Moses called Bezalel and Oheliab and every skillful person in whom the Lord had put skill, every one whose heart stirred him to come to work and to perform it, they received from Moses all the contributions which the son of Israel had brought to perform the work in the construction of the sanctuary, and they continued bringing to him free will offerings every morning. And all of the skillful men who were performing all of the work of the sanctuary, each from the work which he was performing. And they said to Moses, the people are bringing much more than enough for the construction work of the Lord commanded them. So Moses issued a command and a proclamation was circulated throughout the camp. Let no, let no man or woman any longer perform the work of contributions of the sanctuary. Thus the people were restrained from bringing any more. For the materials they had was sufficient and more than enough for all of the work to perform it. Do you have a lack or you have too much? Moses empowered the people with the giftings and the calling to perform this work. There was joy in the camp. And they brought all that was necessary. They piled the gold and the silver and all that was needed so high they had to stop it. You empower those that God has gifted in the church, have called to perform all that God has commanded you. They will be more than enough to build that house. They will be more than enough to sustain that house. You have to empower the people, not lord over them. We were called as servants. I come here today asking nothing. There's nothing to join, nothing to buy. But God has stood me here today with his word as his prophet. To just cry with love, with love. I care. I love so many. You are so precious in God's eye. Wake up. Release the gifts within and the callings within your body. Allow them to build what God has entrusted to you. 
Exodus 38, 22 and 23. Now, Bezalel, the son of Uri and the son of Ur, the tribe of Judah, made, that's my tribe, made all that the Lord had commanded Moses. With him was Oheliab, the son of Ahisamach, the tribe of Dan, an engraver and skillful workman, and a weaver in blue and purple and scarlet material and fine linen. Ezekiel 39:42. So the sons of Israel did all the work according to what the Lord had commanded Moses. And Moses examined all the work, and behold, they had done it just as the Lord had commanded. This they had done. So Moses blessed them. Praise the Lord. Moses examined their work. Pastors, you're an overseer. Are they working properly? Do they need encouragement? Do they need a little, little here or there? And helping them in their own gifting, in their own callings. And when they had performed the work, when, when, when your ministries and ministers have performed the work of building what God hath commanded you, you bless those people. You bless them. Don't say, oh, look at me, what I have done. Look at Christ. Look at the Spirit of God that has worked through my disciples, these young ministers, these prophets, these evangelists, these contributors, all those that God has stirred within their heart to give, the, the the workers of miracles, different ministries with different administrations. Bless them when they do a good job. Release them to do the job. 1 Corinthians 12, 18. But now God has placed the members of each of one of them in the body just as he desired. If they are all one member, where would the body be? We read this before. I'm repeating it for a reason. But now there are many members but one body. 1 Chronicles 12, 1. I want to read the, about the people as God built the army for David And he said, this was like the army of God. So I want to read how God built David's army. He didn't go out there and defeat the enemy by himself. He was a pretty good swordsman. I read the story about him and Goliath. But anyway, he slung the stone, not the sword. But anyway, let's read here. Now these are the ones who came to David at Ziklag. While he was still restricted because of Saul, the son of Kish, they were among the mighty men who helped him at war. They were equipped with bows, using both the right hand and the left hand to sling stone and to shoot arrows from the bow. They were Saul's kinsmen from Benjamin. How about these? They could shoot arrows with the left hand and the right hand. They could sling stones. They were really quite good at what they did, the sons of Benjamin. From the Gadites there came over to David in a stronghold in the wilderness, mighty men of valor, men trained for war, who could handle the shield and the spear, whose faces were like the face of lions. And they were swift as gazelles on the mountains. These are the sons of Gad, were captains of the army. He was who least was equal to a to a hundred and the greatest to a thousand. Have you got members sitting out there that equal to a hundred or a thousand? Give them a chance. God might have raised up the captain of the of one of the companies. How do you know unless you empower them and encourage them? to exercise that calling and gifting that God has called them. These had come to serve David. These others in the church have come to serve your church. Allow them 
to use their gifting. They might be quite talented as the sons of Gad. Praise the Lord. These are the sons of Gad were captains of the army. He was least, was equal to a hundred, and the greatest to a thousand. And he went to Ziklag. This is verse 20, 12, First Chronicles. As he went to Ziklag, there defected to him from Manasseh, Adna, Josabod, Shadil, Michael, Josabod, Elihu, Zelophi, captains of thousands who belonged to Manasseh. They helped David against the band of raiders, for they were all mighty men of valor and were captains in the army. For day by day, men came to David to help him until there was a great army like the army of God. Day by day, they came because David allowed them to be captains, allowed them to be great warriors, allowed them to work and use them as gifting. And we're going to read more now that we know this was just like the army of God. Who are we? Early on, I believe that God had called me to help build God's army. That was our, now it's a light to the nations. And, and, and it's because it, he's that light because there's a darkness. In the early days, we were looking for revival. We're, we're looking for a remnant today. We believe in that remnant. There will be revival. I don't believe it will be worldwide. There's a darkness covering this earth. But that light can shine bright in the darkness. I encourage you to allow the army of God, which your church is a part of, your, your prayer, your group, your Sunday school class, your whatever, they're all there to be trained. God has called and gifted all of us. We all that have the Spirit of God have a place in the body. He said even the less members may have more honor than the bigger members. I've, I've got big old legs, but I kind of like my, my tongue works pretty good. I like my tongue. It's able to accomplish what God called me to do. So which is the bigger member or the more honored member? Sometimes that, though we might be, seem to be the least, might have the greatest opportunity for the Lord. Because it's in our humility we get greater grace. In verse 23, now these are the numbers of the divisions equipped for war who came to David at Hebron to turn the kingdom of Saul to him according to the word of the Lord. Praise the Lord. O Zebulun, there were 50,000 who went out in the army who could draw up in battle formations with all kinds of weapons of war. And help David with an undivided heart. How about that? An undivided heart. There was 50,000. What an undivided heart. The power of unity. The proper working of each individual part together. Brings the strength. Brings the power. Brings God's anointing. We, it, it is amazing what a united body can do. All these being men of war who could draw up in battle formations came to Hebron with a perfect heart to make David king over all Israel. And all of the rest also of Israel were of one mind to make David king. A perfect heart of one mind. They were there with David three days eating and drinking for the kinsmen had prepared for them. Moreover, those who were nearer to him even as far as Issachar and Zebulun and Napoli, 
brought food on donkeys, camels, mules. Here comes the contributors. And on oxen, great quantities of flour cakes, fig cakes, bunches of raisins, wine, oil, sheep. There was joy indeed in Israel. Amen. With one heart, with an undivided heart, with one mind, they came together equipped for war. I'm going to read. We have become uh, a dis... We've been separated. We're pieces of bodies laid all over the desert floor. I'm going to read about that. I'm believing through this ministry and through these young prophets that God's going to raise up. God is going to bring together the army again, the last day army of God, to be a light to the nations of the world. But we're going to do it with an undivided heart. We're going to do it with one mind. We're going to be equipped by the Spirit of God in love. Faith, hope, and expectation. We know the day that we live, so we're going to cleanse ourselves from all defilement of the flesh. Be holy before God. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord. And he set me down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. He called me to pass among them around about, and behold, these were very many on the surface of the valley, and lo, they were very dry. Y'all know the dry bones still. This is where we're at. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. And again he said, Prophesy over these bones, and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, that you may come to life. I will put sin in you. We have become disjointed. That was the word. I was trying to think of the word. We have become disjointed. We're all these members, but they're not unified. It's the proper working together as ever sinew and ligament. The joints tie the body together. We have become disjointed. So these parts laying out in the desert, disjointed. The church is disjointed today. He wants a unity and faith and love with a hope, with an expectation of his return, but of a church that's ready. We need to wake up disjointed. I will put sinews on you, make flesh grow back on you, cover you with skin, and put breath in you that you may come alive. And you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise. And there behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, sinews were put on them, and the flesh grew, and the skin covered them. But there was no breath in them. And then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the full winds, O breath, O breath on these slain, that they may come to life. So I prophesied, and he commanded me, and the breath came in as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they came to life and stood on their feet, and an exceedingly great army. I prophesy to you, O breath, O Holy Spirit, come to this disjointed church. 
put sinew and ligaments. Get us joined together as one body that we may stand in this last day as his army, as his light to the nations. We can only do that in holiness. We can only do that in obedience. We can only do that in love. We can only do that as a unified army of God, one body, with one hope, with one faith, with one purpose to usher in the return of our Lord and Savior. Amen. I prophesy in the name of Jesus Christ. Be so in your church, in your group, in your prayer group, what Sunday school class, in your home, in our homes, everywhere. In the name of Jesus. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one just as we are one. John 17, 22. I and them and you and me, that they may be perfected in unity so that the world may know that you sent me and love me even as you have loved me. How does the world know that he has come? Because we love one another, that we are in unity. We're not schisms and divisions. This church or that church, we're his church. One body with one mind and one purpose. To glorify the Lord Jesus Christ through our lives. He has given and shared with us His glory that we may manifest it to the world as a light for salvation, as healing and health, as peace and joy through righteousness, right relationship through Christ Jesus. And now the Lord take note of their threats. I want, I want you to know, here, here's how we got to do it. They'd had, a, they'd had a, a, a Pentecost. We read about it. The baptism, and they had all these miracles and going on, and then they were being persecuted, and they were becoming afraid again. And here's what happened, and this is what we need to do today. This is this is the message, really. And now the Lord take note of their threats and grant that your bond servants may speak your word with all confidence, while you extend your hand to heal, and signs and wonders take place. Through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. And all of the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And not one of them claimed that anything belonged to him was his own. But all things were common property to them. And with great power, the apostles were given testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And the abundance of grace was upon them. The abundance of God's power was upon them. They they had a second Pentecost. We need another Pentecost. We need to come together in fasting and prayer with an undivided heart. Seeking God for a fresh and new anointing. It worked here in chapter 4. It worked in chapter 2. But once again, the place was shaken and the power of God, the grace of God was abundant upon them. And they went again about doing miracles with the confidence, not in fear and doubt and unbelief. 
That the persecution set them back a little bit. There will be persecution. There are setbacks. There are challenges. But in Him, with an undivided heart, with one mind, in prayer and fasting, seeking God together in unity, we come together as one, as a people, the body of Christ, not just bones laid out across the dry desert, but a place beside the still waters. Beside the rivers of life. Be healed. Be made whole. Be saved. Be filled. We have the power within us and the glory of God upon us. And if we don't, we need it. We need to be a light. In verse, here I I just wrote this down. It's all about the individual parts of the body properly working together, fulfilling the call of the church. Ephesians 4.15 But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into Him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building itself up in love. Building itself up in love is the answer. That's the proper working in humility with an undivided heart, with oneness of purpose, with, you, with the grace, the power, and the gifts working in and through us. And, I'll, and, and each individual member allowed to be the part that they were called. And in that, the army of God will stand up in power and might. Together, together, we shall accomplish the purpose and plan for his pleasure in our life. We call it salvation. God bless.